Welcome. So good to be together. And I believe, ladies, you had an incredible night last night. There was uh, the stories. Chantel came home and Hope, our daughter, came home just buzzing about it. What a great evening. Uh, so well done, all of you who are involved in leading that. I believe uh, a lady uh, became a Christian as well last night, which is fantastic. So well, well done. Last weekend, our teenagers uh, were not with us, and that's because they were many of them in Coleraine at the Exodus uh, Center. And we have three wonderful young people here who are just going to briefly share something about what happened. Go for it. No, just uh, upon reflection of the entire weekend, I think there's just loads of like togetherness and unity about like all the young people, like from all ages. We all just get on so well. And uh, on the Saturday night, I think we had a, like a, a lip sync battle. And uh, I think, obviously it was a bit mad, but at the same time, I think if you were to walk into like schools and stuff, our like, young people probably wouldn't be comfortable doing that and wouldn't feel secure and like giving it stacks like we were. Yeah, um, I think one thing that was really significant for me was actually the last day. Uh, we made like a big prayer tunnel that everyone could walk through and we'd pray over them as they walked through it. And it was kind of showing that like, although the weekend's over, we're actually only beginning in living for God, like going deeper in him. And I think that was quite significant because I used to go to youth weekends and be sad on the last day, like, oh, it's all over now. Whereas I left this one like excited, like what's God going to do next? Like ready to go. So. Um, I would say something that stood out to me, which stood out to me at the in-house weekend in November as well, but just like even more now was on the Saturday night, we had like a response time and we were praying for each other and there was not one person who wasn't either praying for someone else or receiving prayer. Like everyone was involved and everyone felt like they could. Everyone was like, like the older ones, I feel like we were like guiding the younger ones. Like everyone just knew that they had a place and that they were like so, they were so ready to go. Everyone was like, yeah, I want to pray for everyone. And then we had an awards, an awards ceremony that Owen and Eve hosted on the Saturday night. And like just seeing everyone spurring each other on like for getting awards. And it was like worst morning person. Like it wasn't like serious awards, but it was just like everyone was so excited like just to be together. And then I think like right after we all did like the Macarena or something together. So like, I don't know, it was just good vibes. Super. Well done guys, thanks. So good. We're so, so excited about everything God is doing amongst our young people. We're so incredibly proud of you, and we champion you. You are uh, so incredibly special, and God is just doing a great work. We want to thank Emma and her team who lead and give so many of their hours to, to this and to, to you guys just pouring themselves into you. Your investment to our younger children as well in our Sunday environments is, is exceptional, and uh, we just love that about you. So... Super duper. Um, just to follow on the notice about baptism, if you would like to be baptized, you've never been baptized, or perhaps maybe as a child you sort of had infant baptism, but you've always kind of wanted to go under the water, as it were, then, uh, then you are invited. And uh, next Sunday night at, I think it's 7 o'clock, uh, we're going to have an information evening so you can sign up to that and you can come along to that. That's not you committing to being baptized, but that's you finding out more information about it and to see if it is for you. So we would love you to consider that. Um, 
I'm not sure whether to say this, but I'm going to say this. <laughs> What's he going to say? Ooh. So um, every single week at 10 o'clock, out in the foyer there, we get together to pray. And everyone's invited. It's not this exclusive thing. Uh, the guys who are involved in the service are there because we're here earlier anyway. Uh, but some of the guys who are involved in cafe and welcome and the kids gather together there. But you're all invited to come at 10 o'clock. And we'd love you to just join in and pray together and hear the Lord of what's, what's going to happen when we gather together. So you're invited to that. That's one way that you can come to church on time. It gets better. Here's another way. At 10.15, when we finished praying, starting, started today, but it didn't really work so well, the cafe team are ready with fresh tea and fresh coffee and pastries so that we can have a coffee, a cup of tea, and a pastry together at 10.15 early before the service. That's another way of coming to church on time. And started last week, and we had again this week, is we have a countdown video. Hands up if you didn't see the countdown video this morning. They're all the ones who are late. And there's probably a lot more of you that are lying, and your hands should have gone up. So please, please, uh, in an effort to... Uh, to make it on time, we would love it. And there's other reasons for doing the tea and the coffee as well, but we don't have time for that this morning. Okay, question, another question. Have any of you ever fallen out with someone else? That was a pretty easy question. I'm sure every one of us could put our hands up for that, right? Have you ever fallen out with someone who's really quite special to you? Yeah, we probably all have as well. And uh, we, we, we are left with the feeling of hurt and of disappointment and all kinds of number of things. And what tends to happen afterwards? For some of us, we might bury our heads in the sand. We might, um, as I tend to do certainly in our marriage, is I huff and I kind of give a little bit of the cold shoulder. As uh, I'm, the, I'm the hedgehog. Chantel is definitely the rhino. And, uh, and, 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 you know, whenever those things happen, a period of time and some conversations need to take place in order to reconcile and restore the relationship and whatever has caused the, the, the sort of the wrongdoing or the falling out of some kind. This morning, uh, we conclude uh, kind of the post-Easter time. Jesus, after the resurrection, he spent uh, a number of days, uh, 50 days still, um, on earth before he ascends to heaven. And during that time, during that period after the cross and the resurrection, he has unfinished business. And he, he appears to his disciples on many occasions. But there's one particular person that he has to have a face-to-face -face reconciliation conversation with. And it's one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible because I can so easily relate to it. And it's to Peter. It's to Peter, uh, one of his closest. Peter who pops up across all of the Gospels for right reasons. And so today we conclude our teaching series on this and we look at John 21 
verses 15 to 19. John is the only one of the four Gospels that retells this story of what happens. Uh, Jesus has a conversation uh, with Peter, and this is how it goes. When, they finished, when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he, Jesus, says to him, follow me. This conversation that has to take place is incredibly important for two reasons. Firstly, Peter has an incredibly important role and assignment that Jesus and God the Father have given to him to fulfill. And without reconciling this broken relationship, Peter will not do the very thing that Peter was called to do. And then secondly, uh, it is that Jesus needs Peter to be in right relationship. He knows that he has messed up, that he has gone before him. We'll come to that story in a minute. Most of you know that but we'll remind ourselves of why Jesus has to have the conversation with Peter. What was it that Peter did wrong? And we'll come to that. But before we do that, I want us to spend just a bit of time understanding who Peter was. What was Peter like? What was his identity? What was it that God had specially uh, ordained for Peter? Well, first of all, we know him to be a fisherman. And we find that out when we first read about uh, Peter uh, in Matthew 4, 18 and 19. As Jesus uh, was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who Jesus re, uh, later calls Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will tell you, send you out to fish for people. Jesus, in this very beginning introduction, hey, how you doing? You've been fishing you're a fisherman, but from now on, I'm going to send you out to fish for people. And Jesus, at that very beginning, that introduction is beginning to call out of Peter his true identity, his true purpose in life. Folks, I think for all of us of mankind, whether we're a believer in Jesus or not, are searching and asking that question of ourselves, who am I? Some of us ask the question and we really delve into it and we try and find out who we are. And some of us never actually ask the question, but our patterns of behavior and our thinking and our speaking uh, give us signals and give us signposts to who we are. 
I love working with young people. I, I, this row here, the, the dream team. I love it because they're in such a formative time of their lives because they're beginning to explore who they are. And they're beginning to have to make some serious decisions about their future. And most often, especially when it comes to the career choice, by the way, is not necessarily the person's true calling. And that's a no, have a no, uh, that is another whole conversation for another day. But it is during that period of time where they're beginning to, uh, to, to, to look and to, to explore who am I and what am I made for? And folks, let's be honest. There's probably never been a time in our lifetime, certainly in our lifetimes, when there's been such confusion about identity, especially for children and young people today. Such confusion, uh, considering who am I? What am I? What, what am I? What am I made for? And we believe, as followers of Jesus, that when Jesus invites us, as he invited Peter, Simon, into relationship with him, and he says, come follow me. The passage that uh, Kate read earlier, come follow me. Take my yoke upon you. Let's journey life together. And as we begin to do that, Jesus reveals to us who we are. And when we do what we're made to do, we come alive. We come alive. The, the best part of our job, of what God's kind of called us to do, is seeing you step into what God has for you. We love it. It's just amazing. It's like, you know, seeing our teenagers here get up and with the confidence they have and to speak and to share. and It's fantastic and there's so many other things that I could go on about that clearly I've gone off piste about five minutes ago it's finding who we are and stepping into it Jesus calls Peter into relationship come follow me now he had some highlights uh, one of them is Peter alongside Jesus was the only one who walked on water which is pretty special Lord if it's you Peter replied tell me to come to you on the water come he says Peter gets out of the boat and he walked on water and came towards Jesus another time uh, not fairly close to the cross the time period before the cross they're having this discussion Jesus and the disciples and they're having these these questions about who do the people say I am Jesus says and some say you're uh, Elijah. Some say you're this, some say you're that. Jesus says to the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Listen to this. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, Peter, the reason he renamed Simon to Peter is because Peter means rock. The translation of the name Peter is rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. That was 
Peter's assignment. That was his job. That was his true identity and calling of what God had for him. Then, hours before the cross, Peter denies knowing him. Jesus, during the Last Supper with his disciples, saying what's going to happen, Peter says, you know, I'm never going to leave you. But Jesus is telling them, he says, I will strike the shepherd that the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus at that moment is already saying, don't worry, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Galilee is a place, it's a hundred miles north of Jerusalem. They're in Jerusalem where Jesus is to be crucified. Galilee is the home of Peter. It's where he came from. It's on the Sea of Galilee, the sea which is about the size of Loch Ness. I'm into geography. I'm just trying to help us picture and understand it. It's where uh, Peter has come from. And Jesus, before the cross, he's saying, don't worry, I'll see you again, and it will be at home, a hundred miles from here, in your home in Galilee. Peter replies, he says, if I fall away on account of you, I will never, I'll never, I'll be with you the whole time. And Jesus says, this very night before the cock crows, you'll disown me three times, and the rest is history. Three times, Peter denies knowing Jesus. Three times, he just says, out of fear, out of whatever it was of knowing Jesus, he says, no, I don't know who he is. At the cross, Peter must have been devastated, absolutely gutted beyond belief. I have let him down. He's gone. I said I wouldn't, and I did. I've really let him down. And he must have been reeling. Can you imagine those feelings? Can you imagine the, the hours and the days when Jesus is, is lying in the tomb? What must Peter have been feeling? What must Peter have been thinking during that time? He's left completely and utterly gutted. Jesus rises he appears to the disciples on two occasions. And possibly, we don't know because it's not in the Gospels, possibly Jesus has already had a bit of an, you know, an arm around the shoulder moment with Peter already. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. We don't know that. But what we do know is that on this third appearance where Jesus appears to the disciples, it is in Galilee. First of all, it was in Jerusalem. But days later, they travel to Galilee. And Jesus um, is on the shore, the shore of the Sea of Galilee, because we read at the beginning of John 21 that Peter goes fishing. He says to some of his disciples, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter tells them. And the disciples, there are about five or six of them, they say, we'll go with you. So they go out uh, to the sea and they go and that night they catch nothing early in the morning Jesus stands on the shore and brilliant sense of humor he calls out to the disciples out in the boat 
friends, haven't you any fish? I just love it. He knows fine rightly that they've caught nothing. Jesus calls out to them, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And of course, out of obedience, even though at this point they don't know it's him, they do that. And when, as soon as they know that it is Jesus, it says here that Peter takes off his outer garment and he jumps into the water and the other disciples follow in the boat. Jesus has prepared already uh, a fire with some burning coals and he says to his disciples, come bring some of those fish, 153 were caught. Who counted them? It was probably Matthew, who's good with numbers. And, 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 and he says, bring some of those fish and we'll, we'll, we'll put them on the barbecue and let's eat together. Jesus says, I'll see you again in Galilee. And this is the moment he's come and he's come to them. Now we look at the picture and we look at the story and we read the words, Peter has gone home, I'm going out to fish. Now, some of the biblical scholars, there's a little bit, as there usually is in terms of tension and understanding of what happened there. For some, it makes a great sermon illustration that he's gone back to his old ways. He's gone back to what he knows the dream of being this fisher of men, the dream of being this church leader has since passed. I've, I've, I've messed up. How could I ever do that again? I'm just going back to what I know. I'm going back to fishing. Regardless of whether it was that or whether they were hungry or whether they needed an income from some fish, we don't actually know. But regardless, there's something in it about going back to what we know. And folks, for us, isn't that true? Don't we do that when we mess up? When, uh, when, when, when God calls us to something and we step into it and we begin to be obedient and we, we, we step out the boat and we, we try our hand at, at leading a life group or we, we try uh, doing something, or we share our faith really bravely with a neighbor, and then they reject us and they think we're a complete weirdo. Or we offer to pray for that person on the street and they, uh, and, 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 and they don't get healed. And we, we, we step out, and when we begin, and we sink. We step out, and we make a mistake. And what do we do? We kind of crawl back into our shells again. And we say, it didn't work that time. I'm discouraged. I'm disappointed. I'm just going to go back to little old me. And God, I believe, is really calling us to stepping out again, to renewing our sense of purpose, our sense of identity of what God's called us to. Um, I've been all over the place here. Let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Jesus has to have the conversation three times. Three reminders of the three times that Peter denied him. Three times. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my lambs. Yes. Feed my sheep. Each time is a reminder. But in so doing, Jesus lovingly, graciously is 
is restoring, reinstating, reconciling. Peter, come on. Come on. Remember who you are. I was in danger of doing the, the Simba video again. Hands up if you remember that one. Oh, only some of you. I could have gotten away with it a third time in the history of the life of the church. And not that I keep account, but I keep a mental account. The end of the Lion King story. Simba, because of guilt and because of shame, because he's messed up and he's, he's been tricked into killing his father, Mufasa, goes into the wild and he lives by this ridiculous mantra of akuna matata. What, what is it? No, it means no worry. It, it requires a conversation where he looks into the water and uh, Earl Jones, what was his first name? James L. Jones, Darth Vader voice man. Remember who you are. Remember, you remember it? I'm embarrassing myself now. It's like, it's like, remember your true identity. As he looks into the waters, he sees the face of his father, Mufasa. That's who you are. That's who you are. It's living from that place. And and stepping again into what God has for us. If it wasn't for that, on the day of Pentecost, Peter probably would not have stood up in front of thousands of people. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus, Peter stands up and he preaches his first sermon, and it was pretty good. If it wasn't for that reconciliation, would he have done that? Probably not. The passage that we read earlier about being dressed and his arms being stretched out and going to a place you do not want to go. John writes that Jesus was indicating the kind of death that he would die. It is reported historically that Peter was nailed to an X-shaped cross. And he was actually crucified upside down to bring glory to God. He was never going to deny knowing Jesus ever again. He writes books which we can read that are in the Bible. This transformed, incredible man that completely became everything that Jesus invited him to be. And we say this as we conclude our time. Next week, we're going to begin a new teaching series looking at the parables uh, in the Gospel of Mark. But as we conclude this time of, of, of Easter, the cross of Jesus had to happen so that there would be reconciliation between us and him first and foremost. But because of the cross of Jesus, we have reconciliation with one another. And I just love that. Blessed are the peacemakers in a, uh, in a wonderful community that I've lived in now for 20-something years. I've seen before our very eyes, as we've celebrated recently the signing of the Good Friday Agreement, a reconciled community and country. But there's work to be done yet. It begins with the followers of Jesus. It, becomes, it begins with us that we're prepared to turn the other cheek, that when we mess up, we're, we're not afraid to go to the person and say, I'm sorry, I messed up, I'm so, what can I do? 
It requires humility on our part. But also, I do think at this moment, at this time in, in our lives, again, post-hangover of COVID, God is calling us back. He's calling us back to who we are and what we're made for. There are people in this room, you know it's you. You know it's you. And I'm not saying that to you to make you feel wick. You already feel wick. I'm saying that because Jesus is inviting you. Jesus invited Peter the first time they met when they went fishing and they caught nothing. Come follow me. At the end of the story, Jesus says to Peter, cast your nets on the other side because you caught nothing. Peter was a rubbish fisherman, by the way. At the end of the three times, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. At the end of that passage that we read, verse 19, it says, follow me. We become who we're meant to be when we follow 